to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. Brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there. We're chatting with Jeff Lloyd of Lockdown Browns to talk about the Cowboys and Browns upcoming matchup this season. But first, how you doing, Jeff? Are you surviving quarantine okay? Um, yeah, look, I mean, everybody trapped in the house with uh, two girls, uh, almost teenagers. It's, it gets a little hairy at times. Sure. Um, sure. But, you know, we're managing. And, uh, you know, now that they're, you know, they will not be attending school again for the rest of the year. Um, I think at this point, you've either cracked from being home too long or you've, you know, tried to just find your way to cope and deal with it and, you know, hope soon enough that we get to see the other side, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's been, you know, having free agency in the draft has certainly helped. Uh, but now that we're entering summer, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But let's talk about those Cleveland Browns because, Jeff, I got to tell you, um, I, I root for the Browns quite a bit. Just Well, the, the truth is I, I just hate the Steelers so much. So I root for anybody in the AFC North besides the Steelers. So uh, I follow the Browns as closely as I can. Um, I've got to admit I was pretty excited with a lot of moves that they made this offseason. Uh, and let's let's go ahead and start with their free agency because they did bring in some uh, some good players. I want to start with Austin Hooper, uh, pairing him with Kevin Stefanski. How do you like the move of bringing in Hooper to pair with David Njoku? Uh, first and foremost, it was it was a little like we knew this was the need, we knew this was the target. But you know, how many times can you say about a team such as the Cleveland Browns, where oh, this is the best guy, this might be the best fit for them? But it doesn't always come to fruition. Right. Uh, they went after it hard. You know, they went after Austin Hooper. They sat down with his people and said, look, here's the deal. You're going to get a contract, which right now, for all intents and purposes, is going to make you the highest paid tight end in the game. You know, good enough blocker, good enough contributor in the receiving game. With this offense that is so too tight end heavy, towards the end of the 19th season, they were playing predominantly an undrafted free agent. And they were playing Ricky Seals-Jones, who they had picked up over Labor Day, Labor Day, uh, Labor Day weekend over final waivers cuts. They needed juice at this position, so to speak. He was the best available. You look at what was available in the draft. Nothing really fit to go be this Kyle Rudolph type of player. Austin mm. Hooper was the only guy in the free agent market. They knew it was going to take some heavy money to do it. They committed to it. He liked what he heard. Obviously, his agency and him heard. They were pretty thrilled with the money. He was the guy. It was really nothing else. I mean, everybody else they have is equivalent to what that second tight end is in that Kevin Stefanski wide zone. You know, athleticism, not the best blocker, can contribute to the play-action passing game. There was really only one guy here, and it really showed a lot here that a rookie GM, rookie head coach were able to establish that this was the guy, and they were able to get it done. It was a big, big get for them, and obviously Austin Hooper can't, you know, obviously can't be too upset about currently being rated, being the highest paid tight end in the NFL. I can't believe you threw Steven Carlson under the bus. Actually, I uh, went to grade school <laughs> with my wife, so uh, I do oh, wow. know him very, very well. So I was actually surprised that he was able to make some plays. I remember he had he had a pretty sweet touchdown against Pittsburgh, uh, I believe, on that Thursday night game. So, um, yeah, just a, it's a deep tight end room, and now that they have Harrison Bryant, you know, you know, fighting for that third spot, uh, it's going to be fun to watch uh, to see what Stefanski does with that, you know, that group. Um, I want to talk to you about the offensive line because – Anybody that watched Cleveland last year could see that the offensive line was a problem. Greg Robinson uh, was pretty bad at left tackle. Uh, the right tackle spot gave them some issues. 
They signed uh, Jack Conklin away from the Titans. They drafted Jedrick Wills at pick number 10. How much better do you expect the Cleveland Browns offensive line to be in 2020? Well, that was the thing. I mean, towards the end of 2018, Greg Robinson, Chris Hubbard, they were doing a pretty good job. But mm. going into 19, where you thought, look, that was the best either guy has ever played. So you were banking on the small percentage of their career. It was kind of foolish. Um, look, you didn't have a first-round pick, so it was not like they were able to address the tackle position in the 2019 draft after the Odell trade. So it was really a gamble. You know, we were hoping, hey, could these guys at least be what they were last year? Guess what? Neither were not even close. Um, so it put him in this position here where it was going to be two tackles. And we went at this all offseason. And every time we tried to talk draft or talk mock, it was all right, tight end early, tight end in round two. Oh, no. I mean, you offensive tackle and everybody, what, 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 what? That's how important it is. Um, mm. They got extremely lucky with the fact the way the draft fell for them. The draft fell where they were in a position there was going to be a lot of tackles available. It was a great, great opportunity for them. Even if they weren't able to get Jack Conklin, they still probably had the flexibility to get this done. They went hard after Jack Conklin. Obviously, the rumors coming out of the combine, you know, the Jets have already made him an offer he can't refuse, yada, yada, yada. And as fast as it went down, I mean, they had Austin Hooper in the fold within 20 minutes, Jack Conklin in the fold another 20 minutes later. They established it that he was a huge, huge need for them. And they also kind of constructed the contract to make it favorable for Conklin. He's going to make a lot of money year one. There's a possibility he could be out of here in year one and be on the market again at 25. Or on the surface of the deal, he could be a free agent again at 28 and go ahead and cash in again. They made him a, They structured a contract that made him put him in a really great opportunity to make a lot of money now and to still get back out on the market a couple of years when the salary cap, as long as the coronavirus doesn't, you know, cripple it, so to speak, is going to be able to go cash in again. Very rare opportunity where you get to sign two big free agent deals. And that's essentially what they did with Conklin. Obviously, he's not far, you know, from where he grew up, where he's going to be, you know, playing for the Cleveland Browns. They liked him as a fit. They loved, you know, the run game blocking. You saw everything he did for Derrick Henry. You know how important it's going to be here. Nick Chubb, you know, not that he necessarily needed the help. He's no. certainly not going to complain about it <laughs> by any means whatsoever. You put him in a great position here, and you just saw how difficult it was for Baker Mayfield where these tackles weren't getting it done. Some of it was on Baker. The drops weren't always correct. You know, he didn't step up like he was supposed to. You know, some of it mechanics and stuff he needed to work on here. But a lot of times there was just so many clean rushes off the edge. And as whatever you think about Baker Mayfield, the size is an issue, man. These guys coming in at 6'4", 270, and railing away on a six-foot-pound guy, it's going to take its toll. He's a guy who needs to play with a good offensive line, came from Oklahoma where he literally was, what, six foot seven, oh, 320 yeah. across the board of all these guys blocking for him. Yep. That's what he got comfortable with, didn't get touched much. Last year when he started getting beat around, it made for a difficult, difficult stretch for him and obviously the offense. With Jedrick Wills coming in, in the fold, with Conklin, you really got to feel a lot more confident in this offensive line where you've already got a good center. You've got a sol damn solid left guard, one of the top ones in the game in Joel Batonio. They'd still have to figure out right guard, but they have enough names to throw at that position that hopefully somebody will seize that opportunity. Yeah, I feel like we need to talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit before we take our first break. Um, obviously Baker took a step back last year and I think you can attribute a lot of that to the offensive line. Uh, Odell Beckham was never really fully healthy, uh, but outside of the protection in front of him, what does Baker need to do to be better in year three? Because a passer rating of 78, uh, last year, certainly not going to cut it. 
Uh, we saw what the ceiling and the potential was as a rookie. What does he need to do in year three? I think Baker needs to get back to where he was his rookie. Confidence, 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 confidence. He ex- he oozed it as a rookie. Last year, look, they took some shots in the mouth early. That week one loss to Tennessee, and after everything had been prematurely bestowed upon them, you know, the cover of the Sports Illustrated NFL preview issue. Mm. I think there were a lot of guys, and you know, look, it ain't Madden. You know, well, we got Odell, we got Jarvis, we got Joe, we got players everywhere. Look, you still got to be able to mix it all and you've got to be able to bake it all and it's got to marinate and you've got to put out a solid product it certainly didn't help that Jarvis Landry didn't practice a lot it certainly didn't help that Odell Beckham Jr. didn't practice a lot it certainly didn't help that Rashard Higgins and David Njoku these two guys combined for 97 receptions in 2018 they combined for nine in 2019 these were his guys they thought all right we bring in the stars we bring in the big names Baker was comfortable with everybody you know Rashard Higgins you know, whatever happened last year, it hurt him. I mean, if he had gotten in 2019 what he did in 2018, he would have the opportunity for a, a nice contract somewhere. Um, but with all that went on, guys getting in the doghouse, whether it was right, whether it was wrong, he just had so much new thrown at him. But look, a lot of that was on him. A lot of it was on the coaching staff. We'd sit here on these Monday mornings and hear from Freddie Kitchens, well, we got a lot of guys running wrong routes. Or this week, this guy's running the wrong route. Next week, it was this guy's running the wrong route. Oh, this guy. And for me, why are so many professional football players running the wrong route? (laughs) This makes zero sense. Todd Monken leaves. It starts to leak out. Yeah, we scripted first 15 plays per game. Then after that, Freddie just kind of did what he did. And with Odell and Jarvis predominantly only practicing on Friday, what are you doing on Friday? You're practicing what's in the game plan. Okay, so that's what they did. On Sunday, you're calling things that weren't in the game plan. And then once guys came into the fold, Antonio Callaway, you threw him in. So now everybody was kind of lining up in different spots here because you were adding another weapon to it. It just it was bad, bad all around. And I think the fact that these guys took some shots in the mouth early, they weren't able to respond to it. And then once it got later in the season and they got decimated on the defensive side of the ball with Miles suspension, Olivier Vernon missing time, they lost two cornerbacks for over a month. They're starting cornerbacks. They had eight safeties on this roster, Marcus. Come the end of the season, they were playing safety number seven and safety number eight. The defense couldn't hold up. The offense wasn't confident enough in the messages they were getting from above on how to execute. And it just it led to what turned into, you know, just a disgusting mess of a six and ten season and heads had a role because of it. Oh, John Dorsey, Uh, we could do a whole podcast on John Dorsey and some of his failures as a GM and, you know, Cleveland and the the Callaway pick still never made sense to me and why they forced him on the field. But that's that's for a different show. Uh, Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Cowboys side of things. Just wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you will ever have. I can promise you that. It's hard to even explain just how good Built Bars are. Uh, I tried the peanut butter one the other day and was just blown away by how good it was. Did not taste like a protein bar at all. I swear that you're eating a candy bar, and that's just how good it is. Uh, The best part about Built Bars, they're fantastic for you. They have an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. If you want to experience a Built Bar, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. 
This is Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns, sitting with Marcus Mosher. Obviously, for you Cowboys fans, host of Locked On Cowboys, uh, we're getting into you know roster free agency, the draft here that's gone in the offseason here between the Cowboys and the Browns before their 2020 matchup. A lot of folks in Cleveland hoping it's a Thanksgiving game. You got some mm. site here, Twitter handle, uh, seeing maybe that it's a week one matchup. Who knows, guys? We got 24 hours. We'll know in 24 hours. So have your patience with that part of it. Uh, interesting. Um, look, uh, as far as what they were able to do in free agents. Obviously, some guys added to the defensive line, Marcus, um, a late one here in the last couple of days. And we'll start with this one here. I mean, I understand the preface of the Andy Dalton move, <laughs> but do they really think Dak Prescott's camp is going, ooh, they signed Andy Dalton. The pressure's on us now. We're not going to get our money. Absolutely not. I think this is something that uh, Dak loves because Andy Dalton has admitted that he's going to come in here and do whatever he can to help Prescott. He's not pushing for a starting job. He doesn't want a, an open competition. Uh, this is not something that you concern Dak, even in the slightest. Uh, they will get a deal done. They have until July 15th. As Jerry Jones always says, deadline spur action. And that will be the case here. Um, no, I think Andy Dalton was just a way for the Cowboys to improve their team, improve their backup quarterback situation. Uh, as I've been telling people, you know, on Twitter over the last couple of days, Cooper Rush was set to make $2.1 million here for the Cowboys. Andy Dalton signed a deal for $3 million guaranteed. You're looking at 900000 you know, as the difference. I mean, for a guy that's been pretty productive in the NFL, has a ton of experience, it's a no-brainer move. It's not at all about replacing Dak. It's about bringing him in help. And if in case something happens with Dak, can Dalton get you through you know, a month stretch and be competent? I, I think that's the, that's the goal here for the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just it, it was funny and like kind of the pressure and the way some people have been spinning it here the last couple of days. It was like, come on, guys. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, I've seen my fair share of Andy Dalton and know that, hey, look, in a pinch, if you got to play Andy Dalton, hey, it's a lot better than, you know, Joe Schmo from Idaho, who's never taken an NFL rep. I get it from that point. Obviously, he's got the roots in Texas. You know, he'll have no problem you know, being a, you know. A, a solid citizen, you know, doing the charity events, whatever, in you yep. know, an area where he's comfortable, he's with things of that nature. Um, well, real quick, was, I was going to say really quickly, the other thing, they, the reason why they brought him in is he has a lot of familiarity, obviously, with the AFC North. And with the Cowboys playing that division this year, having Andy Dalton help Coach Prescott on, okay, here's the tendencies the Browns like to have on third down. This is what Pittsburgh likes to do in fourth quarters and blitz packages. I think that certainly factored into the decision as well. So, you bring him in, you know he has experience against those defenses. You're also hoping that, you know, Dalton's been somebody who's been pretty good indoors uh, when he has to play out in bad weather and when it gets cold, it's not great. But uh, if you put him behind a team with a good offensive line and good receivers, maybe you can get adequate quarterback play if you need it. Uh, without question. And and look, and you only see these, you know, teams every four years. And by the time you get to them, there may be, I mean, you're lucky if there's two guys, maybe even three guys still left in the roster than from the last time you played him. So it's obviously, you know, huge, huge, uh, you know, for, you know, getting yourself advanced scouting, that type of thing, but also getting it from the player side of it. Now, as far as free agency, uh, you know, they went hard on the defense here, and I guess it maybe kind of set up the way the draft unfolded for him here. You know, obviously interesting names on the defensive line. Um, I will tell you right now, Marcus, I forgot about Alden Smith. That's how crazy <laughs> so it was I. here. I mean, I think everybody forgot about Alden Smith. So when Jay Glazer broke the news, it's like, uh, what? Uh, oh, yeah. Why? 
<laughs> Where is he? Where's he been? What do you think the actuality is that a player like Alden Smith, this far removed, can possibly even maybe even make the roster at this point? That's a really tough question, but I will say there are certain players in the NFL who are just freaks, right? Uh, we'll use Randy Gregor because I think I think he's almost on the same spectrum. But Randy Gregory was somebody who has been out of football for two years, and then in 2018 came back without hardly any training camp with any practice and was able to be a, a really good defensive end for the Cowboys. I think Alden Smith is on that spectrum where he's just way more athletic than the guys that he's going against. He knows how to win with his hands. He's a pretty nuanced pass rusher. Is he going to be the same player that we saw in San Francisco and even in Oakland the last couple of years? Probably not. But could he be a five to six sack guy? I think that's certainly in the realm of possibilities. And I think, you know, he, he's been working out really, really well. He's really strong right now at 287 pounds. Uh, we'll see if the Cowboys actually want him to cut some weight before uh, the season starts. But uh, I do think he's one of these rare athletes that can be gone for two, three, four years and still come back and, and produce in the NFL. There's no question, and in his case, to be a little bit heavier is probably an asset right now. Um, you always was a slender guy here. It's going to be a lot easier for him to remove weight than sure. to say, hey, look, we really need you to get physically stronger here in the next four weeks. It's just not going to work out that way. Now, as far as the Cowboys draft, and Marcus, you know, look, we follow each other. I saw the excitement. Now, if you would, if we had spoke about this and we had spoke on April 22nd and then said, hey, Marcus, there's a real legit shot. You guys are going to end up with C.D. Lamb in round one. What would you have thought? All I can say is that uh, Lynn and McCool, my co-host, uh, we ran a bunch of uh, draft simulators uh, before the before the draft. And I multiple times Lamb would fall to us at pick number 17, and we'd restart the simulator on our podcast because we just didn't think that was realistic. <laughs> uh, so to have him fall down to the Cowboys and then for them to actually pick him, I mean, that was quite a surprise. I, I was convinced. Uh, that they were going to take Caleb on chase on at 17 when they got there. It didn't feel real to me until I saw the CD lamb highlights pop up on TV. Uh, so I, it, it still doesn't feel real. So it was just a, a dream draft for the Cowboys to have a player of that magnitude uh, fall to them, you know, at pick number 17. And you look at what he's walking into. And as far as, you know, the personnel that Dak's got to work with. And look, if they could, you know, or, or, you know, well, we're going to, you know, work you for the money or whatever. Yeah. And you look, even if he, you know, if Dallas is smart, they're going to get this done now because mm -hmm. if he goes and drops another 5K season, which is certainly the possibility with the talent he has around him, guess what? Price tag's only going up. So, you know, if they're, if Dallas, you know, it, it's time to get this done and get him satisfied in that respect. Yeah. Far, and they will, they will. Oh, I, I have I have no doubt. And I, and I I think they know and they really know in the back of their minds, hey, we rode this basically, you know, on food stamps with Dak Prescott for a, quite a while. Eventually, you're going to have to pay the piper here on this, so to speak. Um, now, the rest of the draft, and I'm going to ask you about this. Do you think there is enough in the secondary right now? I mean, look, that offense has got the potential to probably put up 30 week in, mm. week out in this secondary and look, this style of play in this league is getting closer and closer where everybody's on the same page. The Jeff Fishers of the world and even Ron Rivera looked at style. It's just it's not there. There's just so much that can go on offense, so much, you know, incredible athleticism in the skill units of almost everybody in the league. Now, is there enough in this secondary for Dallas? So when they get in these shootouts with teams, they're going to be able to, you know, get a couple of stops here and there so they can pull out some, you know, 35, 31 ball games mm -hmm. with a win. 
Probably not. And I think, actually, not even I think, I know that Mike McCarthy has been kind of privately telling his staff and people around him that they fully expect that they're going to have to score 30 to 35 points a game to win. Uh, so they're building an offense to do that, and I think they're going to be able to do that. On defense, what they're looking for now is an opportunistic defense. Uh, they know they're not going to be able to hold teams under 20 points. They, they, they just know that that's not the style of defense they're going to play. What they are going to do is they're going to be really aggressive. They're, they have corners that can play uh, press, bump, and run, can play zone, that can jump routes. They have a pass rush now uh, that can get pressure with their front four. Uh, but with Mike Nolan and Jim Tomsula, they're going to blitz a significant amount more than what they have over the last be- decade, basically. Uh, so they're going to be a really aggressive defense trying to find any way to get turnovers and if they give up big plays, so be it. All that means is the offense is back on the field that much faster. So uh, they they know what their strength and weakness are. I, I commend them for that. This team is still probably a year or two away from truly rebuilding the defense. But I will say this. If they can get better linebacker play out of Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, Van Der Esch missed most of last season. Jalen Smith took a, a step back. If those guys can get back to the level that they were at in the 2018 season, I do think this defense has a chance to be okay. And and that's really all Mike McCarthy and his staff are looking for. If they can be competent and they can be average, this team will be just fine. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think they've got enough on the offensive side of the ball. The key is going to be obviously, you know, hitting the ground early in a lot of these games. Um, and you put these teams in position where, you know, they're, you know, balanced. And if you can get them out of that balance, obviously it'll favor Dallas and, in this scenario, look, if you ain't got secondary, you better have pass rush. So I think that's going to aid them well there. This is your Thursday edition crossover. Locked on Browns, locked on Cowboys, Jeff Lloyd, Marcus Mosher. We're going to get to a little bit more here in a second. Guys and gals, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl. So celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. Then anytime in May, post a picture of you or your mom holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author Alka Joshi. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So guys and girls, buy The Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. All right, we are back. Let's talk about this upcoming matchup, Jeff, between the Cowboys and Browns. Uh, we'll, we'll end the podcast with this. What one matchup are you the most excited to see in this game? Is, is it the Cowboys you know, offense against the Browns defense? Is it their wide receivers against Denzel Ward? What are you the most looking forward to seeing? I think it's going to be, and you know, obviously the corners, it's Greedy Williams. It is Denzel Ward. You know, they're established here. Uh, they drafted Kevin Johnson to be a contributor here in some way. <clears throat> I think one thing people aren't totally understanding is I think Denzel Ward's going to play a lot more slot this year than people think. Um, Denzel Ward is their best cornerback. How many teams right now in the NFL can kill you with their slot? I think right. the Browns staff is intelligent enough to say, well, if we're going to get killed by the slot, why are we not using our best cornerback there? Kevin Johnson is more equipped on the outside. Denzel Ward can go anywhere. He's smaller. He's quicker. He's the quickest one you got. So if the slot's the issue, 
then go ahead and take care of that with Denzel Ward. Um, so, yeah, the secondary for me is certainly something I'm looking forward to. Um, you, you have new, three new safeties in the fold with Carl Joseph, uh, Sendejo, the drafting of Grant Delpit, which is going to be interesting how it all works because all three are kind of like similar. So it's going to ha- kind of have to – I know they like the fact that they're similar, but it's going to see who excels where, who excels on the roof, so to speak, who excels closer to the line of scrimmage, um, you know, who can handle the tight end. Um, and the weird thing you're going to notice is there's not going to be much linebacker play. Um, it, it took a while for us. And, you know, like, you know, Joe Schobert was a player we loved here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christian Kirksey had no interest in paying either of these guys. And then uh, the free agency linebacker position, it just went off the board and nobody, we're not touching this guy. We're not, we're not. And then even the draft, you know, you took one at 97 and a player I like in Jacob Phillips. They don't seem to care too much about the linebacker position, which screams to me, we're going to see a ton of nickel. We're going to see a ton of dime. So it's interesting from that standpoint. Obviously, rookie Jedrick Wills here, you know, going to be facing some, you know, t- you know, some really, really solid pass rushers as a rookie. And for me, obviously, the secondary of the Cowboys, Odell, you know, mm. obviously Jarvis, you know, they do have Rashard Higgins back. Um, whether or not, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones finds his way to the fold early or not, Austin Hooper, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and then you look at something like this where David Njoku, who may be the most athletic skill player they have, anytime he's on the field, he's most likely going to be the fifth option in anything they do. It's crazy. So it's certainly going to make for you know a headache for any defensive coordinator. Yeah, all those are good points. I, I'm curious to see about my guy, uh, Taki Taki, in year two. We'll see how he plays with uh, Mac Wilson. Those are two young linebackers that I'm curious to see uh, how they develop in Cleveland. Um, really quickly, the matchup I'm looking forward to seeing Miles Garrett against uh, Lyle Collins. And I'm sure Garrett will move around a little bit, but Lyle Collins had the best year of his career last year. Miles Garrett, one of the top edge rushers in all of football. Uh, that'll be a big matchup. Who wins that matchup may decide this game uh, because if the Cowboys can protect Dak Prescott, I think they could potentially take advantage of uh, the linebackers and then any cornerback not named Denzel Ward because. He's an absolute stud. And, you know, that's the advantage of having three really good receivers with Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup is uh, they can find the mismatch that they like. So if they like Amari Cooper on Greedy Williams or Michael Gallup on uh, Kevin Johnson, they they could do that as well. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that works out. Jeff, uh, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, Obviously, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, oh, oh, you know, file, you know, DMs open over there. Any questions you have here? Um, look, we've all got the free time. Any chance we can talk ball with anybody? Obviously, we're taking every opportunity for that. The Locked On Browns podcast at Locked On Browns. Um, it's just, you know, working hard. And, you know, for me now, I, I'm not used to working during the day. You know, I do did have a normal, you know, nine to five in an office to go to every day. So it's I'm starting to get a little bit more like the rest of you, Marcus. Like, you know, hey, can you record at 10 a.m.? Yeah, I'm free. Sure, I'm free why not? At 10 a.m. Sure, 10 a.m. is good. 10 p.m. is good. Noon. <laughs> whatever um so it's a whole new realm with that here and it's obviously for me it's opened up the opportunity to talk to a whole bunch of different people you know this off season just be due to more flexibility here having been home now in the house for almost two months yeah working at home is uh certainly interesting you you got to be really disciplined or otherwise you're you know you're sleeping in till you know eight nine ten o'clock and you know nothing else matters right it's uh it's always fun. Uh, Jeff, it was great talking to you. You guys can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Make sure you're following both the Locked On Browns and Locked On Cowboys podcast. Both of those podcasts are doing fantastic, and we appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, and we will be back next week with some more crossovers.